Acts. We're in chapter 9. We picked up in chapter 9 uh, last week. We're going back to chapter 9 today. So chapter 9 of the book of Acts. you got your four Gospels in the New Testament and in Acts. So we're going to pick up in verse 11, okay? It says, And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. We're talking about Ananias. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name among Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way. He entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. We want to have prayer together then. Lord, will you bless us now? Help us to understand your word. May your Holy Spirit have a freedom. And Lord, may you be honored and glorified. And we thank you now for all that you do. And I pray your blessings upon each person here. Lord, encourage us, challenge us, but help us, Lord, to be drawn closer to you and not be the same. So we ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lady heard about that she was coming out of a beauty shop. Another lady came up to her and she said, Well, Mary, she said, hadn't seen you in a long time. It's just so good to see you. She said, But you know, you look just a little different. She said, I think that you've, uh, you've slimmed up. You've lost some weight. She said, You know, you've changed your hairstyle. She said, You know, you, I think, have got a little taller. And that lady said, well, my name's not Mary. She said, my goodness, you even changed your name. <laughs> well, <clears throat> eventually, that's what they're going to say about the Apostle Paul. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. That's his Hebrew name, but he's going to become the Apostle Paul. Different change. Now, he's going to look the same, but he's certainly going to be different. He's going to act different. And we looked last week is when the Apostle Paul, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You know, if you remember, they were actually two life-changing questions, and I want to remind you of those. We didn't read uh, that this morning, but let me remind you of these two life-changing questions because they're still very much life-changing. And you remember, he was confronted by Jesus, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? Who are you? That's the first one. We need to ask ourselves, who is Jesus. Who is Jesus Christ? You want a life-changing event, you need to look and study who Jesus is. There's a lot of people, when, when they ask, if I'm asking people that question, here's one of the first things I'm going to challenge people to do. If I'm asked that question, is to read the Gospel of John. You know, John said, I've wrote these things so that you, may, you can know who Jesus is. That was the whole purpose of that Gospel. So if you want to find out, you just you say this prayer, Lord, 
I'm going to commit to reading Gospel of John, 22 chapters, and may you just speak to me and help me to know who Christ is. You know what? As a Christian, every at least once a year, you should read the Gospel of John and just ask the Lord to continue to reveal to you who Christ is, the impact that He can have upon your life. You know, there was a fellow named Frank Pastore. He died not, to, not too long ago in a motorcycle accident, but Frank Pastore used to play professional baseball. I played for the Cincinnati Reds back in the early 80s. He grew up in California, and so he was taught in school that God, he doesn't exist. He was taught about evolution and how we came, we just evolved. He said, you know, if you don't party, the only people that you hang out with are Christians. So he said he ended up hanging out with some of the Christians. They invited him to Bible studies all the time, but he he didn't want to go to the Bible study, but he did some other things with them and, and hung out with them. And he said uh, he had hurt his arm. Now, when you're a pitcher and you hurt your arm, that's trouble. He said, so some of them said, hey, we want to have prayer for you. Can we pray for you? And he said, sure, do whatever you want. That's okay. He said he, they ended up inviting him to a cookout and said, we're going to have a Bible study afterwards. He said, I normally didn't go. He said, but I went with them to this cookout. He said, and so uh, afterwards, they're ready to start their Bible study. He said, I just exploded. He said, I had all this within me, and I just said, this Bible is nothing. It's full of myths, full of untruths. And he said, I just exploded. He said, I just talked for 30 minutes. He said, you know, they were just kind of all of them in awe and shock at all the things that I was saying. He said, but I didn't realize that they had the national coordinator for all the baseball teams chaplaincy programs that was there and he said he was used to talking to prima donnas like me that thought they knew everything and he said he hadn't said anything all day and all of a sudden after I finished my rant he said wow he said you guys told me he was smart but I didn't realize this smart And he said you know we've got some things that trouble us we don't want to believe myths or things that are untrue but we've read some things that kind of has confused us, and we was just wondering if you might be able to take a look at some of this information and then tell us where we're wrong and help us to figure this out. He said, fellas, I'd be glad to do that for you. And so he just, right there, he had those books. He just pulled out a book, C.S. Lewis's uh, book on mere Christianity. Pulled that and gave it to him. Josh McDowell's book on evidence that demands a verdict. And then uh, Henry Morris had a book called Scientific Creationism. He said, if you don't mind, take these books, and if you can mark them up and just kind of tell us where these authors got it wrong, it would help us. Well, Frank Pastore said he took that first book, Mary Christianity, and he just devoured it. He said he began reading and studying. He said, I read those books, and I reread those books. He said, and I remember we were in Pittsburgh, and he said, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, Jesus Christ is alive. And he said, I was so mad that I'd been lied to in school. My teachers had lied to me. I was so mad. But he said, but I was different because then I confessed Christ, and I received Christ as my Savior, and it changed my life. Who is Jesus? It's a life-changing question. And everybody, 
every single person needs to take the time and seriously look at that question, who's Jesus, and come to a conclusion, come to an answer. Now, if you come to the answer that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, He died upon the cross and He rose again, then you know, and you receive Him then, because He came with a purpose. He died for a reason, and that was for your sin. That was to pay the price that you couldn't pay so that you could receive forgiveness and have a relationship with God. Now, once you come to that conclusion, you need to ask that second question. And in Acts chapter 22, we didn't read Acts 22, but Jesus, that Paul tells his testimony three times in the book of Acts. It's there in Acts 9. It's there in chapter 22 and chapter 26. So in Acts 22 in verse 10, when Saul's confronted with Jesus, he asks this question. After he finds out of Jesus, he says, well, what do you want me to do? You know what? That's still a great question. And that's a question that each one of us should ask every day. That's a question that every Christian, even today, we should ask that question, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? You want to know why the Apostle Paul accomplished so much in his life? I mean, he founded churches. He wrote half the books in the New Testament. Paul, as far as just making an impact on this world, he made... What a great impact he had and still having. What made him so special? This is because of this question he asked. Lord, what would you have me to do? Maybe you need to ask that question. Lord, what would you have me to do? What can I do to be able to have an impact, to make a difference in this world, to be able to help someone? What can I do? Sunday school? Wednesday nights? with my neighbors, those around me? Is there something that I could be able to participate in to be able to make a difference for you? Sometimes our problem is we only think long-term, way out here. I remember hearing Dr. James Dobson one time say, he quoted from Psalm 119, verse 105. Many of you know that verse, that God's Word is a lamp into my feet, and a light into my path. And he said this, he said, when you're holding out a lamp, how far can you see? You're in the dark, you just got a lamp. It's not a flashlight, it's a lamp. How far can you see? Just enough to take the next step ahead of you. It doesn't, doesn't illuminate a lot, but you can see in front to take the next step. And that's how the Lord sometimes just wants us just to be obedient and to take that step. And then the next step that you see. And before long, you end up getting to where you thought it was impossible to go. You can accomplish great things for God one step at a time. One step at a time. Lord, what would you have me to do? Would you ask that question today? Would you ask the Lord, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? I want to be able to serve, and I want to be able to honor you. Now, here's the Apostle Paul. This is when he first becomes a Christian. And so now, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's look at a new Christian and welcome them to the family. Now, here's the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus, his reputation is, precedes him. I mean, he has gone out to destroy Christianity. By the way, there's some people that think, Anybody can get to heaven as long as you're sincere. And let me tell you something. 
That is just not true. There was nobody more sincere than Saul of Tarsus. Nobody. He was determined that he was going to wipe out Christianity. And you know why? Because he believed that it was false. And he thought by wiping it out, he was serving God. And he was sincere. He was wrong. And you can be sincere about your faith. But you can also be wrong. You certainly don't want to miss out. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, if you miss out on Him, you've missed out. You want to be able to look closely at Him. Ananias then is told, and let's, let me just say, bless his heart. What a tough job. Ananias, I want you to go to Saul, this one that's tried to destroy the church. He's come, he was headed to Damascus, and everybody knew it to specifically to destroy the church, to arrest Christians, to see them put in jail and some put to death. And Ananias, he's a little hesitant. But you know what's interesting? The Lord said, go, and he went. And he comes to Paul, and you know, it could be, it could be that Paul had some people put in jail that he knew. And yet the Lord had said, I'm making a change in him. He's going to be my servant. And Ananias comes up to Paul and he puts his hand, and you know what the first thing that comes out of his mouth is? Brother. Do you know when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells you, makes you a spiritual person. That makes us family, not by blood, but by his Spirit. And we become spiritual brothers and sisters. We're family. Through Jesus Christ. Family. And he calls him brother. Isn't that amazing? Someone that would be an enemy, now he puts his hand upon him and calls him brother. Family. Only God could do that. Only God can bring that kind of change. You know, when I was growing up, a friend of mine from Barron County, Glasgow, his mother was killed in a car wreck. He was a teenager. He went to the jail to see the person that was drunk, driving a car that killed his mother, and he just let that person know that he forgave him and told him about Christ. It's like, wow. I don't know how you could do that, but he did it. And he was sincere. And if that, I don't know that that guy received Christ. I don't think he did. I remember correctly, but if he would have, he would have called him brother. Ananias says, brother, he said, I've come to be able to pray that you can receive your sight. And, verse 17, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, when you become a Christian, that's when you're baptized with the Spirit. You're immersed with the Spirit. You never receive more of the Spirit throughout your life than what you got that day. If the Spirit indwells you, it's all you get. So what's it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, to be filled with the Spirit, Paul said this in the book of Ephesians. He said, verse 18 of chapter 5, he said, Don't be drunk with wine in access, but in other words, be filled with the Spirit. Alcohol, if you get drunk, will be in control of your life. 
You don't make decisions on your own. That alcohol is helping make those decisions. Here's what Paul's saying. When it comes to making decisions, why not let the Spirit of God lead and guide you? When you're filled with the Spirit, that's what you're doing. The Spirit that's living within you, you're allowing to be able to guide you and help make those decisions. Book of Colossians, Paul basically says, it and Ephesians, they mirror each other. He wrote them at the same time. In Colossians, he said something very, very similar, except in seeing, instead of using the Spirit of God, he uses the Word of God. And he said, when you're being obedient to the Word of God, you are being led by the Spirit. And so they're, 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 they go hand in hand because the, the Bible was written by the Spirit of God. So they go hand in hand. Listen, a new Christian needs to understand something. The Christian life, it's impossible to live on your own. But you have the Spirit of God living within you, empowering you, that enables you to live the Christian life. Hey, the Spirit of God is the one that gives you gifts. The Spirit of God is the one that continues to give you guidance and helps you to live that Christian life. And so as a new Christian, that's what you need. A new Christian needs power, and that power is the Holy Spirit that indwells you. You know what else a new Christian needs? A new Christian needs faith. Ananias then tells Paul, he said, not only to be filled with the Spirit, but verse 18 says, and immediately they fell from his eyes scales, and then he received his sight, and then he arose and was baptized. Now, instead of putting faith, I almost put being obedient. Because actually faith is an action word. A person that has faith, you can see their faith by their actions. And so a person, if you really have faith, then you'll want to be able to be obedient to God. And the first step of obedience He gives to anybody that has become a Christian is to be baptized. Some people say, hey, you don't need to be baptized. Well, if you want to walk in the will of God, if you want to be obedient to God, you'll want to be baptized. And so baptism is a way for us to be able to show our commitment. It's a public demonstration of what has taken place in our life. How that we were dead in our sins, but now we're alive because of Christ. It's a way for me to be able to share my faith without using words. And so we need to be baptized. And so new Christians need faith. They need to be able to act in faith, and baptism is... Sign of faith. Here's a third thing that new Christians need. You know what they need? They need fellowship. They need fellowship. I want you to look, uh, I read verse 19. But verse 19 says this, So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and Paul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. You know what he did? He was fellowshipping together. New Christians, not just new Christians, we all need to be uh, in Bible study. We need to be together. As Christians, the Christian life, you're not called to live it solo. I've heard people say, well, I can worship God by myself. You can. But you cannot be a Christian in the will of God and be out of church. Now, I understand that there's some exception to that if, if uh, because of health and just different things like that, but listen to me. Christians are stronger together. And the Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 9, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. He said, some getting in the habit of doing that. That's not good. He said, Christians, we need each other. And one of the things that we found in this last year 
We need each other. We need each other. And Christians, we need to be together. You know, a lot of times when you get somebody that has lived like the Saul of Tarsus, that's an enemy, when they come to church, they give up a lot. They give up their friendships. And when they come to church, they need people to love on them and to help them and encourage them. You know, in church, there's protection. In church, it helps us to be able to grow together, to serve together, accomplish things together, to protect each other. One fella come from a lifestyle just partying. One night he called a person in his Sunday school class Saturday night. He said, what are you doing? This fella, he said, you know, normally I would be out partying. He said, I'm just sitting here by myself all alone Saturday night trying to thank the Lord for all the joy that I feel. <laughs> no, basically he was saying, I just feel alone. We need each other. And if there's people that come in you don't know, they need somebody to help them, make them feel welcome, to love them. And sometimes they need some extra attention and time to be able to encourage them and help them to be able to continue to live the Christian life. New Christians, they need fellowship. i tell you what else they need. They need discipleship. Now, here's what I want you to do. Acts chapter 9, we went through verse 19, and then you move into to verse 20. I believe there's a gap of something that happens between there. And so I want you to, if, you, if you've got room to, to write this down, to mark this, Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, and I'm going to flip over and I'm going to read that to you because I believe that that gives us uh, an ideal of, of what's missing in this little section right here. Verse 15, here's what Paul says. He said, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son to me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. You see what he's saying? Paul said, when I became a Christian, I didn't go to Jerusalem and say, hey, apostles, tell me what needs to happen. But he said, I went to Arabia. What's in Arabia? Well, it's a desert. You know what's out there? That's where Moses was. Uh, Mount Sinai is out there. He said, and then I returned to Damascus. And so the things that take place, beginning in verse 20, I think they're taking place after he comes back from Arabia. So what took place in Arabia? And how long was he there? Well, Paul had spent some time with the church, the disciples at Damascus. And I think he got some information in the Old Testament about Jesus. And then Paul went off to Arabia. And I think he was studying. Because later on he's going to tell us a lot of the revelations that I got, the reason that he was able to write a lot of the New Testament, it came from that time that he spent in the desert. And by the way, if you want to be a person that's used by God, you have to be a person that spends time with God. The Apostle Paul spent time with God, and how did he do it? Through the Bible. And he was looking throughout the Old Testament, and it was in a new light. 
He was looking for Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And he's there. And to his amazement, he's probably wondering, how did I miss this? And so throughout the New Testament, there he was, or the Old Testament, Jesus. He spent time, how long? I don't know. Was it months? Could be. Was it a year, two years? It could have been. But he spent time studying. And then he comes back. And then you see him in the synagogue and he's sharing his testimony. He's reasoning with people and they're just astounded at what he knows because he spent time studying. He was disciples. New Christians need to be disciples. By the way, let me tell you what Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.6. There he's looking at whenever you're picking out new leaders in the church, he said what you don't want is a novice or a recent convert because they're not prepared. They can't handle temptation. They can't handle the challenges. A lot of times you'll see a celebrity become a Christian and we'll say, hey, we're going to put them on TV. And they're not ready. They can share a testimony, but they're not ready to answer the question. They're not ready to put on, be put under the microscope. And Paul said, you got to be careful. We need to be able to disciple people. And that's what uh, Paul, he spent time in God's Word being discipled so that he could be able to be a teacher. And then, new Christians do need to tell others. When, when I lead somebody to Christ, you know the first thing I tell them to do? You need to tell someone. I want you to call somebody and tell them. Somebody that's going to be excited. Somebody that's going to be happy. Somebody maybe that's been praying with you. Somebody that loves you. And let them know you give your life to Christ. We need to tell somebody. You can tell people what's happened. You can share your testimony. Testimony is, is what has taken place. What Christ, how He's changed you, what He's done for you. Sometimes it's going to be brief. Sometimes it could be a little longer. But everybody that's a Christian should be able to share their testimony. Here's why. Because people can relate. There's people that can relate. There's people that will, can see that you've been touched and they'll be touched. And the Holy Spirit uses and works at that. Now, you don't have all the answers in sharing a testimony. You remember in John 9, Jesus healed a blind man. And so the Pharisees were after him, and they said, Are you trying to tell us this Jesus? We think he's a sinner, and you're saying he's the Son of God? And the blind man said, I don't know anything about that. All I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. Hey, that's what Paul could say. I can tell you this. I was spiritually blind then I became physically blind, and that physical blindness, I think, just represented God was just showing him, this is you were being blind, spiritually blind. And Paul's like, now I see. I know. New Christians need to tell others. All right, let's look at one, the last thing here, and that is living the Christian life. What's it take to be able to seriously be a Christian. A Christian is Christ-like. How can we seriously be Christ-like? Okay, let me give you four quick things. One, Paul had a committed life. He had committed himself to Jesus Christ. He had reasoned this. If Jesus is willing to die for me so I could be forgiven, I don't deserve it. It's certainly His grace. It's something I don't deserve. He has saved me and changed me. If He can do that, I'm willing to give my life for Him. And he was committed and he lived it out. A committed life. Here's a second thing. He was consistent in his life. If you want to be a Christian, you have to develop some consistency. It's not easy being consistent. 
Being consistent means that I am going to read my Bible a little every day. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord a little every day. It's daily. It's daily being able to seek to glorify God. Daily, it's being consistent. If you want to run, you know how you do it? You've got to be consistent. You've got to run a little. Little, if you don't do it daily, you're doing some during the week. It's the only way you're going to, if you're going to run a long distance, it's the only way to do it. And if you're going to live the Christian life, you've got to be consistent in your walk with the Lord. Paul was consistent with his walk, and he was consistent living for the Lord. Here's a third thing is compassion. Paul had a concern about other people. When he saw others, you know what he said? He wrote in the book of Romans, he said, I am obligated. I'm debted. I feel a debt to other people. I didn't know Christ, and look how I live. And when I see people, I see people without Jesus, and I feel a debt to them to love them and help them to know Christ. He had compassion for them. There's a guy out in California, his name is Gail Irwin. Oh, I always loved to listen to Gail Irwin because he was so funny. He was just a joy to listen to. And Gail Irwin always say this, you know, he'd say, wouldn't it be great to be Jesus' disciples? And because you know, when you're a disciple of Jesus, he did miracles, he helped people. And so every day you would get up and you would just say, I wonder who we're going to bless today. And I'm, cons- I'm convinced as Christians, that's how it should be. We should get up and say, Who am I going to bless today? Every day I want to be a blessing to someone, a help to somebody. Who can I be a blessing to today? Now, listen, sometimes it should be. Your family, people that you're closest to, we should be a blessing each day. And then it's a commission life. Paul understood the great commission is to share the gospel. And he, was to, he, he knew he was called to be able to share the gospel. Let me tell you something. Paul was different. He was not the same person. He was completely different. Here's a fellow that hated people. Now he loved people. Here's a guy that was wanting to imprison and kill people, now was willing to be in prison, and he died as a martyr just so people could know about Christ. The Apostle Paul, he wanted to stomp out Christianity, but he spent the rest of his life, his energy, spreading it. What a change and a difference. And Jesus Christ makes that difference and change. And he can do the same, not just for Paul, but he does it, He can do the same for you, and he still does it for people today, and it can include you.